Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A third vaccine option gets approval. AstraZeneca is approved in Canada. That's great news. What sets AstraZeneca apart and who gets the shot? Damn delays and soaring costs. Today, I am confirming that the Site C Clean Energy Project will be completed. Even with today's budget bombshell, why the province is going ahead with it. And wardrobe drama on a local movie set. He's wrong to think that it's inappropriate attire. What happened when a crew member wore a Black Lives Matter t-shirt to work? You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Canada is getting another weapon in our fight against COVID-19. Health Canada has approved the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is easier to store and transport, but it's not without its drawbacks. Aaron MacArthur reports. After a month-long review, Friday, a third vaccine was approved for use in Canada. The shot made by Oxford AstraZeneca can now be given to Canadians. Unlike the mRNA vaccines produced by Pfizer and Moderna, AstraZeneca can be stored above zero in refrigerators, a potential game changer in the fight against COVID-19. The more tools we have in our box to help uh, vaccinate against uh, COVID-19 is going to be the better. Canada has secured access to 22 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine, most of those not expected to arrive until after April. A small number of shots produced at the Serum Institute in India will be available much quicker. 500,000 doses will be delivered to Canada in the coming days. Despite assurances, the B.C. government hasn't planned for this vaccine to be available in the short term. There's some suggestion from the Prime Minister today um, that it may come sooner. Uh, and uh, if that's the case, some of it may come sooner, or at least a small amount will be. And so we'll have to react and move because people expect us to move. Health Canada is satisfied with the data provided by the manufacturer. While the two mRNA vaccines are 95% effective, AstraZeneca's data suggests just a 62% efficacy rate. But that number, according to scientists, is an incomplete picture. Backed up by real-world results, the trial data shows the vaccine dramatically reduces serious illness. The number of cases of people that died from COVID-19 that got vaccine was zero. The number of people that were hospitalized because their COVID-19 disease was so severe was zero. More vaccine is welcome news, but it will add even more complexity to an already complex national rollout. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. All right, let's bring in Richard Zussman for more. Uh, lots of questions still to be answered about this vaccine, Richard. Um, chief among them, when will it arrive in B.C.? 
And the province still doesn't know, Sophie. Health Minister Adrian Dick says they aren't planning for it to arrive just yet. It could arrive as early as April, but it's still very much unknown. And then the other question is, how is BC going to use the AstraZeneca vaccine? Minister Dick's indicating that it likely will be used to vaccinate essential workers. So it could potentially mean that a teacher or a police officer or a grocery store clerk jumps up earlier than their age in terms of receiving the vaccine. And the other question we're getting a lot of is what if somebody doesn't want the AstraZeneca vaccine and instead wait their turn in terms of age for the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine? Well, that's a possibility as well that they could turn down the AstraZeneca vaccine and just wait a little bit longer. But Minister Dick says most people likely will just take that vaccine when it's available, but ultimately it will be the individual's choice. Mm -hmm. All right. So Monday is the big day, Richard. Details of the mass vaccination yeah. rollout are coming on Monday morning. What do we know about that so far? It's really going to be focused in, Sophie, on those that are in their 80s, 90s, and a little bit older, and those in their 70s as well. So let's have a look at how this is going to break down. So those that are over the age of 80, if you receive home care, as in if you received a vaccination at home, uh, you will get it earlier in the month and be contacted through home care. Those in their 80s uh, otherwise that are going to go to a clinic or to a community center, they will be receiving information through a flyer, other information. The big one though around what's coming up on Monday will be those in their 70s and how they can register. There have been logistical problems in Alberta and those logistical problems could come here as well. Let's have a listen to Premier Horgan. The uh, 90 plus, 80 plus, uh, citizens, we know where they are by and large. Uh, those particularly that touch upon the healthcare system uh, during the course of their week or their month uh, makes it easier for us to make contact directly with them. There may well be challenges with uh, websites and, and registrations, but I don't want to assume that. I'm assuming that we're going to do the best we can, uh, and uh, we'll have a, a lot more to say about that on Monday. And, and obviously, we'll have a lot of coverage coming up on Monday as well about exactly how people can ensure they get their COVID-19 shot. All right. Thanks for that, Richard. All right. Here are the latest COVID-19 numbers for B.C. We have 589 new cases. That brings B.C.'s total to 79,262. Sadly, there have been seven more deaths, which means 1,355 people have now died from complications of the virus. 232 people are in hospital, 63 of those in the ICU. 73,188 people are considered recovered, and that leaves us with 4,665 active cases and uh, just over 8,000 in self-isolation. On the vaccination front, more than 252,000 people have been vaccinated with 73,808 of those second doses. All right, three Fraser Valley churches accused of violating public health orders are marking a victory of sorts before their charter challenge begins in court on Monday. The churches claim the province's ban on in-person services is unfair, and they've been ticketed several times for holding services anyway. Now, as Paul Johnson reports, B.C.'s top doctor has reached out to them granting an exemption with conditions. Just a short time ago, it looked like three churches in the Fraser Valley were on a collision course with the law. 
there was the rare sight of Mounties showing up at Sunday services and giving tickets to people defying health orders against religious gatherings. And an even more alarming situation was averted when a judge shot down Victoria's request for an injunction so they could arrest the worshippers. Now, could we see a truce? Yesterday's letter um, was a, uh, what I consider to be a very, very small step in the right direction. Vancouver lawyer Paul Jaffe represents those churches in their charter challenge of the health orders. Thursday, Dr. Bonnie Henry wrote to him to say that a blanket exemption to the orders wasn't in the cards, but she was willing to offer them this, the opportunity to gather in small numbers and outside. The churches are, are no longer prohibited completely from in-person worship services, but certain conditions have been imposed. Here are some of the conditions Dr. Bonnie Henry has put on any gatherings of these churches. They have to be outside, maximum 25 people, no singing or chanting, no passing around of collection plates or ceremonial objects, and no socializing before or after. We've already seen a test case of the concept when the province gave similar permission to some Jewish congregations late last year who argued that virtual services violated their rules against using machines on the Sabbath. We're grateful that uh, Dr. Henry has finally taken a look at the circumstances of my clients. Jaffe says his clients are still looking at the government's new offer and assessing their options. Global News didn't hear back from any of the churches in question we reached out to Friday. So this coming Sunday may offer the first glimpse of whether church and state are finding some common ground. Paul Johnson, Global News. A Vancouver production company is apologizing for what it says was a misunderstanding that led to a crew member being ordered to take off a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. Jordan Armstrong reports. This is the t-shirt that launched a quiet protest in the B.C. film industry. Black Lives Matter shirts and badges are now visible on many sets. After a lighting technician was allegedly told this week that wearing one on the job was, quote, too political. That made me sad and really uncomfortable to be on a production that has can employ someone in that position with that kind of uh, mindset. We'll call the lighting tech Billy. We're not using their real name because they fear speaking out could limit future employment. Billy says the order not to wear the BLM shirt came from the producer of Gone Mom, a made-for-TV true crime movie. Billy was never disciplined, but chose not to return Thursday for what was supposed to be their last day on set. Since people found out about what happened to me, uh, a few people wore Black Lives Matter jackets and sweatshirts, and they were told to take it off or go home. And uh, as far as I know, they did take it off and they stayed on set throughout the whole day. Now keep in mind, these are people working off camera. The dress code has always been casual. And Billy says in the many months of wearing this same shirt on other sets, there have been no complaints. We went to the Gone Mom production office in Burnaby and the Gone Mom set here in rural Aldergrove, but none of the producers would talk to us. A statement from a public relations person in Los Angeles reads, quote, Unfortunately, a producer on the set of Gone Mom misinterpreted the guidelines for appropriate workplace attire and asked crew members to change clothing. All of our crew members are more than welcome to wear apparel that reflects the causes they support. 
The producer in question apologized to the individuals and has been removed from set following the incident. Billy says producer Kevin Leslie did call Friday afternoon to apologize, an apology Billy accepts. Black Lives Matter is a human rights movement, and it's not a political one. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Well, last night we showed you another example of the violent shoplifting problem in downtown Vancouver. Tonight, the Vancouver Police Department has stepped up its presence in the area. The VPD have set up their public safety trailer with its multiple high-definition security cameras outside the IGA on Robson Street. The owner of that supermarket says he and his staff face shoplifting incidents every single day, and many of those are becoming violent. Just last week, the Vancouver Police announced they arrested 130 suspects and seized 35 weapons in a crackdown on shoplifting incidents in the downtown core. Bad news for ferry passengers. All sailings have been cancelled today due to high winds. All sailings to and from Tawasson, Horseshoe Bay, Duke Point and Swartz Bay have been cancelled. The cancellations also include the Powell River route. Environment Canada issued a wind warning this morning saying winds over areas of Metro Vancouver near the southern Strait of Georgia and southern Gulf Islands will continue to be strong with speeds peaking around 50 kilometers an hour, gusting to 70 kilometers an hour. BC Ferries has apologized and says it hopes the weather will be better tomorrow. If you'd like the latest information on sailings, go to their website. And if you want the latest information on the weather... Let's go to meteorologist Christy Gordon. She advised us of the wind warnings last night, credit where credit's due, and joins mm-hmm. us now with more on when it's going to let up. Christy? Thanks, Chris. Well, with the strong northwest flow, we always need to warn everyone because wind warnings or winds can be so dangerous, of course, and we had some ferry cancellations today, as you just talked about, uh, but they weren't as strong as we anticipated, so I suppose that's good news. Not as many power outages, but there's that strong northwest flow. It blows right onto the coast and can be quite damaging. It was those types of winds that we had for the Stanley Park storm, and when we look at the wind peak wind gusts, the areas out on the water uh, around Metro Vancouver Island saw 90 to about 100 kilometers an hour for Metro Vancouver region, the outer coast, we saw peak wind gusts just reaching 70. So not quite too bad. That's why we didn't see the power outages. I think that everyone's a little thankful for that. At least we saw blue sky. No doubt. Okay, thanks very much, Christy. We'll check in later. Well, it was shocking video of a random attack on a woman in her 80s. Without warning, a young woman kicks the elderly victim who was injured in the fall. Now, months later, they have found the suspect. And it's not her first brush with the law. That's next on the News Hour. Elton John. Oh. Sir Elton John and Sir Michael Caine team up for an important vaccination message in tonight's satellite debris coming up later on the News Hour. And when you're this age, every birthday is special. How family and friends help this 106-year-old celebrate later. Right now, though, some breaking news and three separate investigations into the tragic death of a Richmond RCMP officer who took her own life. The Independent Investigations Office says 911 received calls last Sunday reporting a woman considering self-harm. 
Less than an hour later, Vancouver police found the body of the off-duty officer on the sidewalk of the Moray Bridge in Richmond, dead from what appeared to be self-inflicted injuries. The IIO is investigating, as is the coroner. The RCMP is also conducting an internal review. The identity of the officer has not been released. A Vancouver woman in her 30s has now been arrested and charged in a vicious and apparently unprovoked attack on an elderly woman. It happened last April in Burnaby, and as Catherine Urquhart reports, the disturbing incident was all caught on surveillance video. It was a disgusting assault of an 84-year-old woman who uses a walker. Surveillance video showed the senior walking on Central Boulevard near Metrotown Station. Then, a woman approached and tripped her, knocking the elderly woman to the ground. The suspect then walked away. So what happened is when the victim was on the ground, she, uh, she yelled for help. A security guard came and assisted her, uh, administering first aid. Uh, again, luckily, she, she didn't sustain any, uh, any major injuries, a uh, bump on the head. The assault happened back on April 4th, amid a sudden spike in attacks on people of Asian descent with some of them being openly blamed for the pandemic. At the time, police asked for anyone with information to come forward. Now, nearly a year later, police have arrested and charged someone. 31-year-old Vancouver woman has been arrested for assault causing bodily harm, uh, and her name, Hyun Sung. Now you're hitting me. You after you kicked my dog. Song was previously arrested after a bizarre incident near Brentwood Mall in 2017 when she allegedly kicked a stranger's dog. She actually stepped, stepped over and gave Buttons a good kick in the ribs, just completely out of nowhere. Police say they identified Song and located her with the help of their high-risk offender unit. Their purpose is to monitor and for charges uh, against people that are in the Burnaby community that pose a, uh, pose a risk to the public. Song has been released from custody and is due to make her next court appearance March 10th. Conditions of her release include that she stay away from the victim and go for a psychiatric assessment. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. The owner of a Surrey boat dealership is now facing a string of criminal charges. The Surrey RCMP Financial Crimes Unit began investigating Aaron Fell, the owner of Breakwater Marine, in June of 2019. Two months later, a search warrant was executed at the business on the Fraser Highway, and a number of boats were seized, along with documents. More than 100 victims were allegedly defrauded of $1.8 million, and yesterday... Fell was charged with 30 fraud counts and three counts of theft. It was a very complex investigation that had over 100 victims involved approximately $1.8 million in losses and um, had many, many documents and other types of things to go through. So uh, it was a lengthy process and one that required a lot of work with some of our other provincial and um, federal partners. Fell is due back in court March 25th. Delayed and billions over budget. But Sightsee will go ahead while the Premier says it's the better option next. And later, vaccine passports. We are in a digital world. Israel is already using it, but some say Canada should think twice before doing it here. 
Good news at the Massey Tunnel. Crews cleared the crash northbound at the north end, but traffic is still busy in both directions, especially out of Delta. And the Alex Fraser Bridge isn't such a great alternate route. There's a stall over there northbound at mid-span. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $70 million plus an estimated 21 max millions. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Price tag has grown, some would say a lot, and the project is facing some major engineering hurdles, but the Site C Dam will get built. Premier John Horgan says the province is better served by pushing ahead on the controversial now $16 billion project than cancelling it. Keith Baldry reports. So today I am confirming that the Site C Clean Energy Project will be completed. That decision came through due diligence and care and deliberation on what was in the best interest of all British Columbians. And I believe today we've made the right decision. And so ends the mystery of whether or not the half-built Site C Dam, the biggest public sector infrastructure project in BC history, will be completed. Despite it being plagued by enormous cost overruns and significant safety challenges, shutting it down now would be an even worse alternative, the Premier insists. Cancelling Site C when it was half done would have meant laying off 4,500 workers just as we're coming out of the economic impact of the pandemic. It would have left us with a $10 billion debt and nothing to show for it. That $10 billion debt would have meant a rapid increase in rates for people, on average about $216 a year starting right away, and that was also something that we were not prepared to do. But problems remain. The dam's budget has skyrocketed to $16 billion from the previous estimate of $10.5 billion. There is now at least a one-year delay in completing the project, pushing its in-service date to 2025. And its cost will push hydro rates up a cumulative $36 a year by the year 2028. But BC's energy minister says the dam will provide clean energy that will be needed down the road. Site C is being built to supply British Columbians with clean, reliable power for the next 100 years. It will provide the renewable energy we need to electrify our economy, get off fossil fuels, and meet BC's climate targets. But critics of the dam, and there are many, point to unstable terrain on the Peace River shoreline as posing a huge safety risk. Like any gambler that's starting to lose, we don't want to leave the table. But if we don't leave the table, we could lose way bigger than we already have been. And they claim much of the project is still clouded in secrecy. This is a series of relentless decisions being made in the dark with information being kept secret from British Columbians while these decisions were being made. This is an astonishing level of secrecy. While the dam's construction will now proceed, so too undoubtedly will the many controversies associated with it from the beginning. It may be half-built, but building the second half will have its own challenges. Keith Baldry, Global News. According to BC Hydro, the completed Site C dam will provide 1,100 megawatts of capacity and produce about 5,100 gigawatt hours of electricity per year. That's enough to power about 450,000 homes. Right now, BC Hydro produces about 43,000 gigawatt hours of electricity in total.
Well, police are investigating an overnight vandalism spree that destroyed several mural festival exhibits in downtown Vancouver. The damaged displays were part of the Vancouver Mural Festival Winter Arts, an augmented reality experience which was set to run until Sunday. Before the mischief was unleashed, people could download the Mural Fest's mobile app to find the 20-plus exhibits around town. Also caught up in the destruction, several display candy hearts that were part of a month-long shop local campaign, which was designed to support Vancouver businesses. The now defaced hearts were to be taken down on Monday. Oh, it's just sad. I mean, we were going to put these assets away and use them again next year. They could still be repaired, but it's more the intention behind the campaign was to spread love and, and that kind of thing. So it's unfortunate that someone would do this. Um, yeah, I mean, is what it is. We had a good month of campaigns with no vandalism, and we're incredibly proud to see that the city, uh, um, you know, there was no theft, no vandalism. That was awesome. And so to see that this happens right in the final days is unfortunate. The Vancouver Mural Festival says it's saddened by the vandalism, but won't be deterred in bringing works of public art to the streets. Crews are now assessing the damage and removing pieces which are beyond repair. Up next, an historic deal preserves a BC island. Why this tiny, rocky islet holds so much value beyond money. And the attempt to rescue a sea lion that took some heavy lifting. Good evening. Still seeing some leftover volume southbound at the Lions Gate Bridge after clearing earlier problems. Traffic is lined up out of north and west Vancouver and slow both ways through the Stanley Park Causeway. Kermat Collision and Auto Glass provides no-cost windshield chip repairs with your insurance coverage. And Kermac donates 100% of their income from chip repairs through Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Quebec's health minister is floating the idea of a digital passport, digital proof that you got the vaccine. It would allow access to venues or activities. Israel is already doing it. But as Gloria Enriquez reports, there are ethical concerns. With about half of its population vaccinated against COVID-19, Israel has started reopening leisure activities such as gyms. But you're only allowed in if you show your green pass, proof you got the jab. Quebec's health minister is also floating the idea of a so-called COVID passport here. We are in a digital world. And I, I don't see why we could not have, as I mentioned earlier, what we call the QR code. The idea of an immunization passport has given people a ticket to ride for years. Some countries demanding proof of vaccination for certain diseases, such as smallpox or yellow fever, before entry. But earlier this month, the World Health Organization shut down the idea, in part saying there are still critical unknowns regarding the efficacy of vaccination in reducing transmission, adding that considering the limited access to vaccines, preferential vaccination of travelers could result in inadequate supplies of vaccines for priority populations. We're going to create two subgroups in, in the population, one that benefits from more liberties, more access, and one that is penalized. If, for example, people are told you can't go back to your job uh, until you have a vaccination uh, certificate, you open up uh, the risk of, uh, you know, a sort of a, 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 counter, a, counter, a contraband uh, market of people going for counterfeit uh, sort of vaccination certificates. 
Given the many possible implications and that vaccination is not obligatory, experts say a COVID passport could open the door for a constitutional challenge. Only I suspect it might be unsuccessful. In other words, the court would find there was a violation of the charter, but it's justifiable under Section 1. It's not something that we're prepared to set aside the program for. There is still time to get used to the idea. The province says it's still working on the concept and they will inform Quebecers every step of the way. Gloria Enriquez, Global News, Montreal. Well, it's not every day that someone in your neighborhood turns 106 years old and the occasion needs to be noted. Ringing bells, blowing horns, waving flags, generally yelling. Dozens of res, uh, residents of a retirement park in Sorrento in the southern interior, my mom and dad used to live there, took to the streets for a big birthday parade, all to honor 106-year-old resident Gene Long, who happily waved to the crowd. He said happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. At first she thought, she knew there might be something going on, and she said, I'm not going out there. And we just gave her no choice. It's like, get your shoes on, get out the door. And she's loving it. She loves the attention. <laughs> uh, happy birthday, Jeannie. Happy birthday. Pretty cool. All right, straight ahead, satellite debris. <laughs> A refreshing way to end the week. Coming up later. Oh, that looks good. Mm -hmm. But first, the big deal over a tiny island off the coast of B.C. Well, for almost 25 years, the Land Conservancy of B.C. has been purchasing privately owned land across the province to protect it from development. Today, they're giving some back. Linda Aylesworth has the details of an historic agreement. Its English name is Halibut Island, but to the First Nations people, it is aptly called Sisquinum, a place to enjoy fine weather. It is the most extraordinary little spot. It's right in this little pocket off of Harrow Strait, tucked in beside Sydney Island. Compared to everything around it, Sisquinum is tiny, but its size belies its importance. Most islands uh, have been developed, they have agriculture, they have people, they have houses and dogs and livestock, but this island is much like it would have been 200 years ago. So when it recently came up for sale, UBC professor Tara Martin was concerned that the new owner would develop Sisquinum and destroy the plant life that makes it unique. It's truly extraordinary ecologically because it, it provides this template for what restoration can look like. It is also culturally significant to the Wasanich First Nations. So Professor Martin approached donors who purchased the island, then handed it over to the Nature Conservancy of Canada, which today, in a ceremony on Zoom, transferred title to the Wasanich. I guess no, now go into the formality of signing the document. We're excited to be able to harvest traditional medicines and for us to be able to go back out there and to uh, go back to our meditation sites and where we do our prayers and ceremonies. The importance of this day goes beyond the preservation of an island because it is the first time a Canadian land trust has transferred title to a First Nation. For us, this is a, a step in the right direction of meaningful reconciliation. And I, I sure hope that there are more agreements like this to come for Sanich 
but also for other First Nations. I'm thrilled. I mean, this is a this is the ultimate. I, I work. I'm devoted to conservation, and I see this as one of the greatest conservation wins in the Salish Sea. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. That is a beautiful spot. Is it ever? Mm-hmm. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon for a look at our forecast and a windy and blustery day mm-hmm. it's been today, Christy. Yes, certainly the winds have died down, but we still could see gusts into the evening hours, Sophie. And with that, meaning very cold conditions because we're seeing clear skies. Temperatures are going to drop to minus two. And with those winds, it could feel like minus five, minus six with the wind chill. Here's a look at the peak wind gusts for Metro Vancouver. Certainly the strongest along the coast with gusts up to 70 kilometers an hour. Further inland, not quite as bad, but it meant for great activities out on the water with people getting out there on their kite surfing, as you can see here. Now, I want to remind you, full moon tomorrow morning, so you may want to get out there tonight and have a look, and longer days coming soon. Six days until 6 p.m. sunset, 15 days until 7 p.m. sunset. In my opinion, that is encouraging. Now, here's a look at your Saturday, everyone. We'll see snowfall for inland regions of the north coast, rain along coastal regions, but most of southern B.C. enjoying a sunny day, especially through the morning hours. In the afternoon, we'll start to see increasing cloud, but it's more into the late afternoon hours and then we are expecting rain Saturday night into Sunday but at least we salvage half of a lot or half of our weekend anyways but it will be chilly in the morning tonight central windows weather window from Terrace BC Heidi captured this guy looking out or may might be a female I should, shouldn't mm-hmm. say guy guy or girl <laughs> there but amazing eyes mm-hmm. all right thanks Very Christy cool. Well, staff at the Vancouver Aquarium say they will use a marathon rescue attempt in Nanaimo last night as a learning experience. Kylie Stanton has more on what happened and why the hours-long multi-agency effort to save a stellar sea lion did not end as they had all hoped. All right, that's the truck. That's the beach on the walk down. The cameras came out on Thursday night. They're setting up their equipment. Capturing a rare event on Nanaimo's shores. We had a big excitement down at the beach here. There was a sea lion rescue going on. That was enormous. The stellar sea lion was spotted resting near these logs on Invermere Beach. It was lethargic and appeared unresponsive. The Marine Mammal Rescue Centre was contacted and a team mobilized. Stellar sea lions are a species of concern and so it was really a call to action uh, for this animal last night. After trekking down half a kilometre and roughly 100 stairs, they reached the sea lion. In the dark, they were able to sedate the animal and assess his condition, then moved him onto a sling. But that was the easy part. This was a very large male stellar sea lion. Um, Yes, and um, it was uh, quite a task. With an estimated 250 kilograms in tow, the team slowly made their way back up the stairs. Yeah, it's no small feat, no. That's uh, quite an undertaking. Hours later, they reached the road where backup had arrived. The fire department showed up. There was police officers. And it's like the three different areas were all working together. The sea lion was put into a crate and carefully loaded into the Marine Mammal Rescue Center's truck. Sadly, this isn't a cause for celebration. It definitely wasn't uh, the outcome we were hoping for. Um, We got him into the transport carrier and unfortunately he did expire at that point. The sea lion didn't have any obvious wounds or injuries. The team transported him back to the center where radiographic images were taken. 
And now a necropsy is underway to determine the cause of death. We'll take this as a, a learning opportunity. The community here is also trying to look at the positives, knowing they did all they could to help. It shows the best of society, the altruism that goes into a situation like this. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Amazing effort, and uh, mm -hmm. thanks to those who were involved, for mm -hmm. sure. All right, let's bring in Squire Barnes for a look at, at what's coming up in sports, and it sounds like not a lot of good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll try to put a, a nice shine on it if we can. Uh, last night's 3-0 loss to Edmonton had the Canucks going back to the good, but not good enough answers. And it's unfortunate that we didn't get a better result. This is indicative of the Canucks this month. This shot by Jake Vertanen almost crosses the line, but it just doesn't quite get there. Also coming up tonight, satellite debris. I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, hooray for short months. Am I right, Squire? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, the Canucks certainly think that way. And it's a good thing the month of February has only 28 days this year because it wasn't the Canucks month. Two, nine, and two in February. Unless they go back to a 24-team playoff bubble like they did last year, the Canucks' chances of making the playoffs right now stand at 0.08%. And some would say you would have to have a blood alcohol level of 0.08 to believe they'll overcome those odds. In order to do it, they would need to win around 70% of their final 32 games. So they'll have to have their heads screwed on right every game. Last night, they weren't horrible. They just weren't good enough to beat Edmonton. And maybe that's just it. Was the Canucks improved play in the playoff bubble last summer only a matter of them getting hot at the right time and not really an indication of who they are? Try this. From last night, if you count back 82 games, a full regular season, this is Vancouver's record. Very average, just below 500. And that's with all their main players being healthy so far this year. Now they do have the weekend off, so maybe that'll help them uh, heading into March. Uh, Fraser Valley Bandits begin their Canadian elite basketball season this June in Abbotsford, with no fans, but they are going to play. Obviously, it has not been an easy thing to build a brand during COVID, but that hasn't stopped them from building a new training facility that everyone can use in Abbotsford. Basketball teams certainly depend on teamwork for success on the court, but the Fraser Valley Bandits have used that concept off the court to build this new athletic centre in Abbotsford. The Bandits are entering just their third season in the Canadian Elite Basketball League, but they felt it was important to put down roots in the community by constructing this facility where local kids can come and work out. And thanks to sponsors and funding from the CEBL, the Bandits Athletic Centre was born. So many youth sport organizations were displaced during COVID. Uh, already having that issue before COVID, but even more during COVID, where public schools aren't doing rentals at the moment. Private schools are very limited in their rentals. Okay, how can we uh, really be creative and find a safe, create a safe space for people in the community to access? 
So far, it's been a hit. Plenty of kids and organizations are using the basketball courts, batting cages, and weight room facilities to keep active. And of course, the Bandits are more than happy to help. It also gives them access to new basketball fans who may not be able to take in games in person this summer, but next year they hope to see those kids and their friends in the stands. I believe like we've done a really good job of connecting with the basketball groups in BC and probably 90% or more of basketball people, they know who the Bandits are, but then what about the soccer communities and the baseball, softball communities, which is why this space was very important for us to make sure it was multi-sport and for us to make sure we approach those groups early on. On the court, the Bandits made it all the way to the league final in the bubble tournament last summer. They are hoping to build on that this year, showing they'll be a fixture for many years to come in Abbotsford. Being out in the community, uh, interacting with events and, and fans or whatever it is to show that we're here to stay. Nick Nurse and four other Raptors coaching staff members are out of this game tonight against Houston because of COVID protocols. So assistant Sergio Scariolo is going to coach. They're taking on Houston, which is a beatable team, but uh, the Raptors don't have Pascal Siakam either. OG to Chris Boucher for the lay-in. Fred Van Vliet from three. No. Lowry. Well, here, you try it, Norm Powell. He does drain the three. 114-105 Toronto in the fourth quarter. And there you go. All right. Thank you, Squire. Let's check in with Jay Durant now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. There has been another rescue operation on Vancouver's North Shore. Crews were called to assist a female hiker who ran into trouble in the Norvan Falls area. That section of the park is closed this time of year, but hikers still go in there. Plus, we'll have more on a number of recent acts of lawlessness in downtown Vancouver. That includes how VPD has responded to a story we did last night about a supermarket that's been dealing with violent shoplifters on a daily basis. Those stories and a lot more when you join us tonight at 11. All right. Thanks, Jay. All right. When we come back, Sir Elton John does a very good impersonation of Sir Michael Caine. That's next. all night on his homework assignments. That's you I'm talking about. Who, me? You're like, you like to just push the deadline to the very last second. But I've learned my lesson the other day. No more going upstairs with 30 seconds left in the commercial than sprinting back down. We almost wow. needed to give you oxygen. I know. I remember. I know. I almost passed out. You say uh, that, you've said that before. I know I have, and I, I'm very bad at keeping these kind of things, these promises <laughs> I make to myself. Okay, so... Uh, This first commercial is uh, from the National Health Service in the UK, and it features Elton John and Michael Caine. No, we promise it's on its way. Is it on its way? It's coming from the sports department. It's sprinting down the hallway. You want me to go sprint up there and sprint back down again? I really don't (laughs) want to do it, but if I have to, I guess I could. If it exists anywhere in the the system. Should we do the next one instead? Okay, we'll go to the second one. Okay. Okay. We'll go to the second one, which is too bad. We'll go to the second one. This one is uh, from Amerisave. Here we go. Uh oh. Oh no. Oh, there. Something <laughs> very strange days. happening right now. What about the third one? 
Oh, okay. no, we've got oh, the second, no, second one. one. Okay, go ahead. Mike shopped for the lowest mortgage rate and chose Amerisave, a choice he'll never regret. Unlike his permanent perm from using Perm Plus, a shampoo he invented and spent a small fortune marketing, which also attracts cats. Lots and lots of cats. But now Mike's working with Amerisave and will be saving a ton of money for years to come. Though his life as an involuntary cat lady man will haunt him forever. Visit Amerisave.com now. Lower mortgage rates mean higher savings. Sorry, okay, they apparently smacked the machinery with a rubber hammer, hammer there and uh, have everything back to normal. So now, now, we'll do it as we were supposed to. I was missing that open. <laughs> Elton John, audition, take one. My name is Elton John. Cut there. Little less showbiz, Elton. My name is Elton John. Bit more showbiz. My name is Elton John. Let's go for your Michael Caine impression. Just let, let's see what it's like. My name is Elton John. Beautiful, cut there. The more people in society that get vaccinated, the more chance there is of eradicating the national COVID pandemic. It's really important to know that the vaccines have all been through and met the necessary safety and quality standards. So this is the bit where you're going to have the vaccine now, Elton. So right. just kind of pretend that you're having the vaccine from a nurse. Oh! What was that, Elton? That was me acting. Okay, let's cut there. And as you can see, I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Thanks, Elton. We'll let you know. Oh. Well, at this short notice, you won't find anyone bigger. Thank you. Hello. My name is Michael Caine. I've just had a vaccine for COVID. It didn't hurt. Not many people know that. And cut there. Marvis, that was fantastic. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Claire, let the little fella know he didn't get the job. school you want to run nope Daryl drain we'll go for a run Daryl drain huh can you shoot can a butterfly sing let's go aging dr drain Daryl drain dr drain is calling for rain oh Don't miss. I'll do funny things if you want me to. I'm your puppet. I'm yours to have and to hold. Darling, you've got full control of your puppet. What two fastest goodbye ever? Bye. Bye. Have a great weekend, everyone. Have fun.